Welcome to another episode of Mama Earth Talk. I'm your host, Maris Canal. Realizing just how much waste we generate on a daily basis, I've set a personal goal not only to reduce, reuse, and recycle, but to also educate the world about sustainability and how each of us can help preserve our beautiful planet. Thanks for listening. Let's dig in. Hello, crazy birds. I hope you guys are all doing well. Our guest today is the founder and the CEO of One Million Women. She is also the author of Every Woman's Guide to Saving the Planet and has won the Australian Geographics Conservation of the Year. During this episode, we find out how important it is to find our tribe. We talked about the inspiration behind finding One Million Women as well as her book, Every Woman's Guide to Saving the Planet. We also find out how we can vote with our money, with not just the way that we spend our money, but also how we bank our money. Crazy birds, without any further ado, I would like to welcome Natalie Isaacs. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're most welcome. So Natalie, how did your sustainable journey actually start? It's a long story, but I uh, I used to be a cosmetics manufacturer and I was like, I was that for 24 years. So I was really, you know, disconnected from this issue. I thought it was somebody else's problem. But somewhere in the middle of 2006, 2007, I got the point on climate change. And, and I think it was at the time when a lot of people were getting the point. You know, I think the media got the point. And for me, there was an inconvenient truth had just come out, um, Al Gore's movie. There was, in Australia, there was, believe it or not, a ferocious bushfire season. And so there were certain things that were bringing this to my attention. But the thing that really changed my life and actually got me on this path was I got our household electricity consumption down by 20%. And when I saw the bill and I saw I had just saved all this energy and pollution at the same time, I actually took ownership of the issue. I realised that I was powerful, really, through the things that I do. And so that literally started me on my journey. I, I went and then got our household food waste down. I stopped over-consuming. And I it really was that that kind of led me to, to starting One Me Women. It took me a couple of years to pull together, but I started One Me Women in 2009 after I had this epiphany and I started to change my own life. Wow, what a journey. And I mean, definitely, it's just that once you've made that first choice and you've just seen what kind of effect it has, it's like a ripple effect that just like goes all over all aspects in your life. And it's amazing to see how as one person, what change people can make. Because often people think, you know, I'm one person, what difference is my household going to make? Or, you know, what difference will I make in the bigger scheme of things? But it is actually a lot. Could you imagine if everybody said, ah, you am I, I'm just one person, I, I'm not going to make a difference. The world is made up of individuals. 
And as a collective, we are incredibly powerful, but um, you have to be that individual before you become the collective. And so, you know, never underestimate your power as one person doing something. Wow. And I mean, so from one person to like almost one million women at this moment, what was that thing that just like went and you were like, okay, I'm going to start something and, you know, I'm going to call it One Million Women. Yeah. So can you tell us, first of all, little, what is One Million Women? And then what was that spark? So One Million Women is, um, we're a movement and it is the, the whole philosophy behind One Million Women is about empowering, inspiring, motivating, but most importantly, mobilizing women to live climate action. So I, I, I think really we're building this lifestyle revolution. It is about living climate action. That means everything you do, every choice you make, it is, you know, for the love of the earth and it is for, you know, because what we do shapes the world. And so it is about how you live and living with the least impact on the planet. But it's also about being empowered to use your voice, to use your vote, to use your influence. And so it's the whole approach. It's living climate action and fighting for it too. At One Million Women, we focus on, we really focus on the big themes, you know, um, household energy, how you get from A to B with the least impact on the planet. We talk about overconsumption and food waste and divestment, switching from banks and financial institutions that are still investing in fossil fuels. We talk about you know, the power of every dollar we spend, and that can be for the good of the planet. We, you know, we really focus on that journey of of how you live. And I think that, you know, the reason I started One Me Women was because that was my journey. You know, I went from the camp of inaction and thinking it was somebody else's problem to this, you know, to starting One Me Women. And I think when I got our household electricity consumption down. And then I went and got our household food waste and consumption and and I started living differently. And I realized that wasn't very hard to do. And and I thought at the time, oh my goodness, if I could just share my story with every other woman that I could get hold of, if I could tell women from the city to the bush, if I could just get my story out there, Everyone would, you know, women would want to change too. And that was really how the idea of um, One Me Women came about. And and then and I had the support of so many people to help get this off the ground. And when we were thinking about a name, it couldn't have been anything less than a million women because climate change is real. It is urgent. It needs everyone acting now. And I couldn't have called it. 10,000 women or, you know, we went through a lot of names, but the, the, it was always the tagline was that I wanted to get reach a million women. Uh-huh. And so we just thought let's just call it one million women because that kind of embodies the scale and speed at which we need to act so that this is a big task and it needs a big number. Oh, I love it. And well, maybe in the in the next few years, we can actually get like that one billion women as well mm-hmm. after you've reached the million. 
this movement, you know, it's it's really fighting climate change, but not only in Australia. It's a global movement. And I mean, I've lived in a few countries and everywhere I go, there's one million women and people know about it. And there's many people that's kind of new to this movement or even new to climate change, you know, and you've spoken to so many different people, but how do we make those behavioral changes that kind of stick, especially in the beginning, you know? So when when we're right into this thing, we've just found out about how bad climate change is and we want to make those changes, but how do we get them to stick? <laughs> that speaks to our theory of change. So we have a real process with this. You know, when I got our household electricity down, and I saw the bill and I saw that I'd saved pollution and money at the same time. It was that quick win. It was doing something and seeing this really quick result that propelled me to do the next thing. And then that next thing, which then had an instant reward, we got our household food waste down. And so the bin had less food in it. There was less food going into the big bin and into landfill. And I was, there was more money in my pocket because we were buying what we wanted and just what we needed and not wasting it. And so I think that that became the basis for our theory of change at One Million Women because particularly in the early days, we really focused on small actions with big results. And those quick wins move you to the next action and the next and the next and the next. And that pulls you along this road of empowerment. And when you do small actions with quick wins, they then shift your mindset to being able to deal with the bigger lifestyle decisions and building your confidence to use your voice and to to make others accountable, to make politicians accountable who are not acting. So then you use your vote and your influence. So those small actions and those quick wins became kind of the basis of, of, of how we started to communicate and educate our community to act. I love that. And for a community to kind of, you know, step up and encourage each other, that's really important. And I wanted to, from your perspective, also find out how important it is, especially in this fight of climate change, for people to find, and I'm putting this in air quotes now, they like tribe, you know, your tribe of people. How important would that be, would you say? Essential. Essential to this. Because that, that really is the reason I started One Million Women. When I got our household electricity consumption down and I did all this other stuff and I was on the road of to changing my life, I wanted to find my tribe. I went on the net and I went, oh, what's the next thing I can do? Like what organisation could I join to move me along? Where do I go now? And, and I did a lot of, you know, research back then to look for my tribe. And there wasn't anything. There were millions, literally, of environmental organisations doing amazing stuff for the planet. And But at that moment in time, there seemed to be nothing that was speaking to me as a woman and at the 
place that I had found myself in where I'd just done all this stuff to live differently and I wanted to learn more about how I, how I carried that on. And because there was that gap that I couldn't find, I just decided to fill it. I decided, well, if I can't find my own tribe, if I can't find a group that helps me to move along in this journey, I'm just going to create that. And so, so yes. So back to your question: is it is your having your tribe important? It really is essential because because your tribe is there to they have your back and. Uh, <laughs> And you're on this journey together. And, and that's why One Million Women is a movement. It is a movement where we are all in this together. We have one end goal, and that is to, you know, to act on climate change through everything we do. We all have that goal that anybody in, in, who is, you know, living differently, uh, anyone who is part of any climate community or it doesn't matter you just anyone that is doing things in their life to live with the least impact on the planet then they're part of this part of a tribe wow oh I, I just love it and I mean you've definitely got such an amazing community you guys are close to a million women and I'm sure you're going to reach that number in no time You've got so many active feeds. You've got, you know, Facebook, Instagram. There's a lot of comments coming in. There's a lot of questions coming in daily your way. So what, what do you sometimes see is like a common denominator that women might face that is kind of slowing them down on this journey, fighting climate change and trying to reduce their waste? So what is that common denominator that you see most and what advice can you give all other women out there to support each other with that issue? I think we should flip that question slightly and to say what is the common denominator that is bringing women along? Because when I first started One Me and Women, I think what is the common denominator that is holding women back would have been the right question 10 years ago because 10 years ago, when I started One Mean Women, it was new. Living climate action or being responsible in your own life was new. It was new. You always believed back then it was the big green movements and, and you know, the environmental organisations that were going to save us and we just continue to live our lives and we go to a march or two and we give to charities, and that was good enough. The greenies were going to save us. And so when I started One Me Women, the biggest barrier then was not understanding that climate change was personal, that this was about us and about that how we live matters. And there was a big thing to actually teach that, we are powerful through our actions and collectively we can shift systems. And so that was, a, I think that was a big barrier, just not understanding that we can, because climate change is such an overwhelming concept and it was very big, too big back then to bring it down to a personal journey. Ten years on, that, that has all changed. That has all changed and people get it. 
it, this is personal. It is affecting us. You know, the bushfires that are, you know, that it, we went through at Christmas time here in Australia, and and the, the ferocious weather events that are happening around the world all the time make this personal. And um, you know, in Australia, you, you you see the Great Barrier Reef dying before our eyes, and the story of climate change is not about. 20 years away and that's not going to happen in our lifetime which is what everyone used to say a decade ago it is happening now and it is personal and that changes everything and 10 years on from like today people are connected people are engaged people are having the conversations about sustainable fashion and eating less meat and talking about food waste and solar panels and electric vehicles and people are connected on this issue. So I think there aren't any barriers. I'm not sure whether that's the right answer, but it is what I'm, and and I may be living in a bubble with, with my tribe, but I just feel that it, that you do not need to explain climate change and why how we live matters as much as we used to. So I think there aren't any barriers. I think the barriers, if people aren't on their journey yet, is that, I don't know, maybe there are, there are obviously still people out there that feel that it is still overwhelming, I, I guess, but it's a much easier sell today than it was 10 years ago. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's it has for sure helped that, you know, there is organizations out there like One Million Women to, if we've got a question, then there was probably a hundred or thousands of women that already had those questions. And, you know, you can just go onto the search bar on Facebook and just find all of these posts and stuff. So for me, that's that's really helped because once you are new to this and you have all these questions, it's great to know that there is a tribe out there that is going through or has gone through the same things as you or going through it now. And because yeah. each person is at their own pace on their own journey. So what you've started 10 years ago, someone might only start today. So we can't expect everyone to get to the same point at the same time, but we can definitely, you know, kind of be on this journey together and help each other along the way. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. So when we started this conversation, you've mentioned that you were in the cosmetic industry. For me, it is really interesting when we kind of look back on our journeys and how some of our journeys started. If you go back where you started with the cosmetic industry, do you think from 10 years ago to today that there has been more cosmetics companies that are focusing on climate change and sustainability now than there was 10 years ago? There is definitely, you know, there isn't an industry on this planet that wouldn't be aware of the impacts of climate change. That's one thing to note. I think that the the big cosmetic brands are probably just tinkering, tinkering around the edges of it. And, you know, when I was a cosmetics manufacturer, I used to sell products to the big department stores. So I did fast fashion brands. It was an incredible thing to witness, particularly 
you know, when I was coming to the end of like the, the beginning of my, my climate change journey, because I was part of the problem. You know, I was manufacturing products that had layers and layers of packaging that was cheap, that would sit on the, the, the department store shelves looking fantastic just so that someone could buy it. But when they got it home, that it would just all break. And, you know, it was a, it was a terrible industry to be in because of the waste. It was an appalling amount of waste. I don't know if that has improved greatly. You know, 65% of the, the cost of a product is in its packaging. And I think the big cosmetic houses are not really doing enough to manage that. But there are incredible boutique niche brands that are coming along, that are doing things for the love of earth, you know, for really to have the least impact. Now, my daughter, my daughter has this brand called Raise the Bar, and it is this body scrubs made out of coffee waste. And she takes the coffee waste from cafes and she turns it into these beautiful body scrubs without any packaging and without any waste. And I'm seeing that all over the place with these small boutique niche brands that are doing really good things for the planet. And I think as a consumer, we have so much power to change this story. Because when I was a cosmetics manufacturer, and I would um, sell my products to the department stores. Year after year, sell them because we had a great sell-through. So that is the sell-through is when the product gets off the shelf and into someone's trolley. And, and our sell-through was, you know, between 85 and 95%, which is really, really high and high enough so that the next year I'd be back on the shelves. And a consumer can protest by leaving something on the shelf to gather dust. And if, if, a, if consumers had left my product on the shelf because it had layers of packaging, then I wouldn't be there the next year. When you leave something on the shelf and you buy something that aligns with your values, you send a message directly to the manufacturer. You send a message to the manufacturer by leaving the product on the shelf saying, I don't want that. And if enough of us leave products on the shelf that are covered in plastic, they won't get manufactured. And so I think that the cosmetics industry has a long way to go before it remotely. And also we don't need all the things that we're being sold. I had a, I had a, a brand that had over 100 products. Personally, I used two or three of them. <laughs> and we only need two or three products for our skin. We don't need all the products that are being sold to us to make us feel and look beautiful. And so the cosmetics industry as a whole is this big marketing ploy, I think, that just sucks us all in to tell us that you're not beautiful unless you use this product. Exactly. That's just not true. Yeah, and I mean, they, they just kind of with, with their marketing tools just make sure that we buy more, you know, even though you don't need it. I mean, even with cleaning products, like you really don't need a cleaning product for the floor, the 
bench top, the glass, the, this, you know, every single thing in your house does not have to have a specific cleaning thing as well. Yeah, I think, you know, we need to just vote more with our money and actually vote with our votes as well. But yeah, voting with our money is so powerful because every single day we say, no, 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 I'm, that's not going home with me. You can keep it. You know, companies will start making changes. But if we keep on buying this, this stuff over and over because the marketing tools is telling us to, nothing's going to change. So we need to drive that through. Yeah, that's right. So you've had quite a journey and you've actually also, um, you're the author of an amazing book, Every Woman's Guide to Saving the Planet, that was published by HarperCollins. So congratulations on that. What inspired you to actually write this book? HarperCollins came to me and and I thought, uh, wow, this would be so lovely to put down it's it's kind of half memoir and half toolkit. So it really does t- tell my story of how, I, literally how I went from you know, someone that sits on the fence to, to, to this and how that journey un- unfolded and, and, and how I created the movement. Because when I started One Million Women, I didn't even know who the environment minister was at the time. I didn't know how to start a movement. I didn't know anything really about climate policy I didn't know much about climate change all I knew is that I had just got my electricity consumption down by 20 percent and I saw this result and that moved me along the journey and so I had a lot to learn but I was impatient and didn't want to wait and so I started One Me Women and kind of learned as I went along and so I think that the book was really nice because it gave me that opportunity to put all that down and, and also to be able to share what I've learnt. It's not easy to change the way that you live because we're trying to do it in this structured framework of, of our high-consumption society. And so that's hard. It's hard to make changes and, you know, within the framework because you, you pushing up against the walls. You've got to get yourself outside of the framework. And so it was nice to be able to explain in the book how I got the point and, and how the, that, you know, that it has to travel from your head to your heart. Once you really feel it in your heart, climate change, the earth, the love of the earth, and that what you do matters, really matters. Once you feel that in your heart, it's so much easier to change the way you live. So it's nice to be able to write all that in the book and then share all the toolkits and everything that we've learned over the last decade of um, doing One Million. I just love that. That's so, so inspiring. And in your book, there's there's great, great content. And I'm definitely going to link in the show notes where our crazy birds can actually go and buy it. But you've kind of dedicated in your book as well an entire chapter about your relationship with the earth. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It was a big wake-up call for me because when I was younger, I used to think that I was the earth mother. You know, I used to think that I really loved the earth and I used to, I really thought I had a relationship with the earth and I was that cool 
person that that got it. And I was so far from that. And it wasn't until I actually got it that I realized. And so what was happening, I think, in my life was, and which is pretty much most of us until you get the point on this, is that loving the earth and loving nature for a lot of us is just a one-way relationship. So for me, I used to love the ocean. I used to love going to the beach. I used to love walking through rainforest. It used to calm me and the smell of the sweet air and the, you know, the mulch between my toes and anything that was to do with nature, I used to love. But I didn't really care about the food, my food waste or I didn't care about the plastics and, and where were the plastics going into the ocean and where was the food waste going into landfill creating methane gas, which is 25 times even you know, more potent than, than CO2. I was taking from the earth all the things that I felt great about. Who doesn't feel good about diving into an ocean? I'm all lying on a beach. But I wasn't giving back. Like I, I wasn't giving back at all. I didn't care. I didn't care that all this plastic was ending up in the ocean. And so when I got the point on climate change and I was starting to feel it in my heart, I started to see my relationship with the earth in a whole different light. I started to see that it is needs to be reciprocal. You can't just take. No relationship will, will last if all you're doing is taking from the other and not giving back. The relationship will crumble. I realised my place in this and that, it is all about a reciprocal thing. You have to give back what you take. So, yeah, no, you know, those, those one-use plastic takeaways you don't use and you minimise your food waste and you, you live with the least impact and then you start to build this relationship with the earth. And so that's what I talk about, about this love of earth and that it needs to be this palpable love, like you love your family, like you love your children and your friends, and you need to love the earth in the same way because you fight for what you love, you know, you fight for that. And we need to fight for our earth and you won't get there unless you feel that in your heart and you have that relationship. Otherwise, Changing how you live becomes a gratuitous thing. It doesn't last. And, and none of us are perfect, but we've got to be on this journey together. And, yeah, that, that, that's what I mean by the love of earth. Yeah, oh, I love that. That's so powerful and it's definitely something that each of us can, can go and evaluate and see, you know, whether this is just a one-way relationship or whether we actually doing something to give back, you know, to just like kind of appreciate everything. And I think once you get to that point, once you're there, you just can't undo it. You know, you can't unsee something you've seen. So I think that's so important for everyone on their journey, you know, to also to continue with that journey. So yeah, Crazy Birds, do go check out the book. I'm going to link everything up in the show notes. Where can our crazy birds actually go and buy the book if we can just give them a few few places? <laughs> few places. So in Australia, you can get it um, from Booktopia and online. 
I think it's just launched in the US and it was launched a couple of months ago in the UK. We're going to link that all up and make sure everyone can can get their copy to read the book. Um, that's amazing. And in the beginning of the episode, you've kind of mentioned about people spending their money and with the environment in mind. And we are seeing more people now. Previously, it was just like, okay, let's go and buy reusable stuff or, you know, let's try and reduce our energy bill. And you guys are doing a lot of awareness for banking, like to bank your money, you know, also with the environment in mind. And, you know, to have your super fund with a fund that also takes the environment in mind. So why is this important for people to look into these options as well? I think I was saying earlier that how I had, you know, I had done all this stuff and then realised three years in that I was still banking with the bank that invests in fossil fuels. We did a survey a few years ago with why banking and super, why people find that hard to look at with, you know, why finances are, are not really talked about. And in the survey, it was, it was really very much that it, it seems too hard to be able to switch and people don't know how or don't know what to ask their bank and, and their super fund. And, and so it gets put to the bottom of the pile. And so we did quite a, we did a, a few years of really working on that and educating our community with what to ask your bank. You know, how to find out whether they are investing in the fossil fuel industry. And I think that today it is so easy to switch. It's so easy. And there is a lot of resources out there to help us choose the right bank or choose the right super fund. And it's really important that we are choosing, you know, we are all investors and we, we need to invest our money in places that align with our values. So we do a lot of work trying to show people that thing. And, and it is an incredibly powerful thing to do, particularly now that so many of us are still in lockdown or we're, we're at home. It's uh, a really good one action to do. And so people say to me, what's the one thing that I can do while I'm at home? The one action is to go and do your research on your bank and your, the financial institutions that you're investing in and really seeing where your money is being invested. And if it's being invested in the fossil fuel industry, ditch them quickly because, because banks and financial institutions have such a huge role to play in this climate crisis. Um, you know, and the more people that, that move their money from those banks and, and make them accountable, that's a, a huge thing that people can do and so yeah so we're doing a campaign at the moment which is about shifting doing that pledging to look at where where you're investing and we're wanting to get that to 10,000 pledges and we've written this this open letter that we're going to send to um, the 30 to 35 of the world's leading banks who are still investing in fossil fuels but I'm waiting to send that letter until we get to 10,000 signatures well, I've already signed that pledge. I've taken the pledge. So I'm actually going to link in the show notes as well where people and our crazy birds can go and also take that pledge because it's really, really important. And it's like every single thing, you know, we vote with our money and especially with banks, you know, where you pay interest or, you know, 
they have money and they have your money, your hard-earned money, and they invested with something that's not aligned with your values, you know? For me, that was really shocking when I found that out. So it's amazing, and I think more people need to do that, and we need to see more banks that is taking the step um, towards the end, you know, more, being more sustainable and, you know, thinking about the environment and not just their pockets and they making the right investments as well. We've got a couple of new things happening and we've got a campaign that we've just launched that's in October. It's a new one for us and it's our um, Food Waste Free October where four weeks with awesome pro chefs and they are going to show us all with five different recipes how to cook with no food waste. So we're... Yeah, we've got a couple of thousand people signed up to the challenge now, so we'd love to get that number up. So uh, it'd be really great to put that link in the show as well so we can get people to sign up for Food Waste Free October. We've got um, a new marketplace that is launching at the end of the year and, uh, and for people that are just starting on their journey to download our app, we've got oh. a free app and they just to search the number one million women already got 10,000 users on it, so that's really good. But it's free. It really helps you change how you live. It's it's a great resource. So just go to it, find it on the App Store or Google Play, and it's just the number one million women, and um, and you'll find the app. Yes, it's oh, all that's, there. That's amazing. And, yeah, I'm definitely looking out forward to this challenge. I am starting it in isolation so I'm not sure how how that's going to go. Don't know what to expect. So we'll see. But also, it's amazing that some of the chefs, we've actually had them on the podcast as well. So um, yeah, we had Anne-Marie from the Zero Waste Chef. So we had her on as well. So I'll link into the show notes as well to that. Oh, so great. in case someone missed it, they can check it out. So Natalie... What has been one of your most important decisions that you've made around Mama Earth? Well, I guess one of the most important decisions, I guess I'll have to say, was deciding to start One Million Women. Wow. Because up to then, I was doing nothing for Mother Earth. So yeah, I'm going to say starting One Million Women. Well, it it has absolutely been an amazing decision because, you know, there's it's affected so many people's lives. And where I was in Dubai, there were so many people passing around like, have you seen this email from One Million Women or this video? So what you guys are doing, it really makes a difference. And it's it's great to know that, you know, we can just go on to any of your platforms and we have a tribe and that you guys have built such an amazing community and it's just great to be part of the stuff that you guys are doing. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Wow, crazy birds. What an amazing woman. Before we move on to our final five with Natalie, I wanted to take a little break and just reflect. One Million Women is sharing stories and emotionally connecting. And today, I would love for all of you crazy birds just to kind of take a moment and to just think back of how your journey started. It can be something that happened years ago. It can be something that happened today. I just want you to think about something that really moved you. 
you know, to kind of make you start on your sustainable journey or made you stay on your journey. If you want to share that with us, that will be amazing. We are all here to kind of support each other. Send me a message on DM, on Instagram, you know, send me an email, whatever works best for you. If you want to keep it to yourself, you know, maybe just write it down somewhere in a diary. And whenever you feel that you might have lost your way, you know, go to that diary, go to that message and just read it and know that you are amazing and that you have grown so much and that every day is a day full of new challenges, new adventures, and that you are not alone in all of this. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast and for being part of this community. And I absolutely love and appreciate you. Now, let's dig right back into that final five. So the first one is, what is one social media account or publication that you follow? Wow. One (laughs) social media account. I follow uh, Jane Goodall. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, I love that. And publication, The Guardian, (laughs) Peppermint Magazine. Oh, I love that. And what is your hope for Mama Earth going forward? I have this optimism more so than hope. I think that this year with COVID, it has given us all this chance to, and I know that it has been a terrible time for so many, but I think it's given us this chance to see a new path forward. And and I think that I have a real sense of optimism about that, that there is no going back to normal. It is moving forward to a new way. And we have to be determined and we need to have this gritty determination and we have to be optimistic and we need that optimism to be, we need to be stubborn optimists as uh, a friend of mine, Christiana Figueres, who led the, the Paris Agreement and the, um, it was, it, it was yeah, instrumental in, in that happening in 2015. She says we need this stubborn optimism and so that's, that's what I believe. And, and I think that, that it's not hope, it's optimism that we are going to emerge from this year with a new, so many more of us, with a new appreciation of the earth and of the love of earth and that that is more important than the stuff that we buy. I love that. And what advice can you give our crazy birds this week to actually help out Mama Earth? Go for a walk. Go sit under a tree, but think differently. Think about your relationship with the earth and really ask yourself, is it reciprocal? Do you give back, you know, that it's not just that one-way approach? And what is one sustainability fact that you like to use in a room with people that is not yet on a sustainable journey? That. Uh, in Australia, we waste one in five shopping bags of food. And so that's like going to the shopping centre and coming out with five bags, grocery bags of food, and throwing one in the bin before you come home. Wow. And so it's not a great stat, but it's an important one. 
because food waste, if food waste were a country, it would be the third largest emitter of pollution on the planet. And so it is a really easy one for us all to tackle food waste. It's just about thinking differently and, and yeah, doing things differently. So we spend $3.3 billion on, on wasted food. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot lot of money to throw away. So Crazy Birds, all of you can go to the show notes and go click on that link and let's make next month totally food waste free and not waste any unnecessary food and money and, yeah, just continue this journey. And Natalie, where can people actually find you and One Million Women? So uh, you can find us in lots of places. Our Facebook page is the number one million women. Uh, our Instagram is the same, the number one million women, or our website, one million women. Our, our app is one million women. Um, you can find me on Instagram under Natalie Isaacs or on our, on my Facebook page. But, yeah, you can one million women and our Twitter. So we're across everywhere. Just join up on something and then you'll find your way to everything else oh i love that and i'm definitely going to link it up to make it all easier for our crazy birds so natalie thank you so much for your time and being on the podcast and for all of the amazing work that you are doing you have really made a ripple across the world you know making changes um or well through you people are making changes and it's just wonderful to to see what you're doing and to continue watching your journey as well thank you i really appreciate the support thank you so much you're most welcome Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, guys. I really appreciate it. If this or any of the episodes resonated with you, please share it with a friend or family member that you think would love it too. I really appreciate your support. If you really, really love the podcast, please head on over to where you're listening to the podcast and rate and review the podcast. It really helps people to find Mama Earth Talk and I would really, really, really appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for your support. You know, it really means the world to me and I hope that you have an absolutely amazing day or evening or whatever time this is that you're listening to it. Thank you. Love and appreciate you guys. Have a good one. And that's a wrap. Huge thank you for our amazing guests for being on the podcast and for sharing their journey with us. You can find the show notes of this episode on the mamaearthtalk.com's website. The biggest thank you goes out to all of you crazy birds for listening to the podcast. If you have not already listened to all of the episodes, you can go back to a few of them. You will absolutely love them. I really enjoyed recording every single one of them and I really hope that you enjoy listening to them. There's over a hundred episodes so if you feel a little bit lost on which one to listen to next maybe select one of the episodes with guests that you might want to know more of and start from there. If you enjoy the episodes why not tell a friend about the podcast and maybe share an episode with them. Let them know that we are here and we are waiting for them with open arms 
and they are all very welcome to join the crazy birds globally. If you have a question for me, please send them over. The best place would probably be a DM on Instagram at Design by Mariska or pop me an email at hello at mamaearthtalk.com. If there's a particular guest or topic that you would like to hear on the podcast, let me know. I love to hear from all you crazy birds. New episodes are uploaded every second Monday, so make sure to subscribe that you do not miss a thing. Mama Earth has a voice and it's us crazy birds.